great morning so far already. Uh, we're going to just jump into his word together. How many of you brought your Bibles with you this morning? Brought your Bibles? Just hold them up real quick. It's a good thing. Yeah, you, in the cool club, they bring their Bibles, right? So uh, for those who brought them, we salute you. Uh, why, why do we care so much? We believe that this is not just a book. Uh, it's described even in itself that it's living, it's powerful. It cuts to the inner part of us. It reveals what's going on in our hearts. And uh, many of us would have that uh, uh, instances where that has happened. Um, it happens here, and we believe it's going to happen again today. And that's why we look at his word. We're hoping to help people find Christ, not just, you know, for the first time, but to find him today. Uh, like we've said before, there's a longing in the heart of every person. And that longing is not satisfied until it finds him. It, and that longing each and every day is that, that drawing of us to him. And so uh, we're an exciting time as a church. Uh, this baptism tank's been here for a while and it continues to stay here. I don't know about you, but this, this is like moves me. It's exciting to see people saying, yes, uh, I'm all in. Uh, I'm making a, um, that, those public declaration of my faith. And, you know, last week we looked at the topic of baptism. We talked about that. Uh, and uh, if you weren't here last week, I really encourage you to listen to last week's message, whether it's on our YouTube channel or Spotify. Thanks to Chris Stone for making that available every week. It is a blessing to many. Uh, but last week after, uh, after we shared, there was a, a woman who came. Her name's Elizabeth. She came to the front and she had tears in her eyes. She's like, like I know that I need to be baptized. Can I do that now? And I was like, for sure. She's like, I just got to go drop off my kids and get changed and I'll be right back. Didn't, hadn't brought a towel with her. Came back a few minutes later and she was baptized uh, last time after. Many of you may have missed that. But it's, it's, it's that response to what Holy Spirit is doing uh, in a person's heart. And that's, that's our hope today is that you would hear his voice. Not, not what I have to say. I have stuff to say. But that's not as important that you would um, hear his voice and respond to, to him. Uh, this week... Because of last, uh, last week's message, there was some, that was the response. They're like, we got, it's time, I got to get in. And then there was others who, you know, texted and emailed and said, I don't think I agree with you on some of that stuff. And I was like, yes, here we go, right? Uh, let, let's have some, let's have some, uh, let's have some coffee. Let's chat about these things. Some people were like, you know, I, I have some questions or I need some clarification. And I just simply, to those who, who uh, uh, engaged in that way, I just want to say thank you. Because it's, it, that in and of itself says, I'm, I'm not just going to be like, eh, whatever I hear, I'm just like, that's, that's fine. No, I want to know truth for myself, and I, I'm thankful for that. Based on some of those conversations, I really got a chance to actually dig deeper into his word on this topic myself. Uh, it was great in the sense that I, I uh, learned some things that I, that I hadn't seen before, and uh, I, I went here. I went here, and that's our hope this morning, is that our lives would be based and built on the foundation of his word. Amen? That's why, that's why we're here. I mean, that's why any of us who speak from the front, this is what we will appeal to every single time. Because as Jesus followers, our lives need to be built on his word. Not someone's preaching, not someone's opinion, not some religious background, his word. That's why we keep encouraging us to come back to that. And so this morning, I'd really encourage you to take notes. Um, if, grab a piece of paper, even if it's not the right piece of paper, grab that, grab a pen, uh, because you're going to remember a lot more, but you're also going to hear some things that like, I didn't have time to process that. You'll have a chance to do it later. So grab it. Maybe you're like, I don't have paper. Rip that little name tag sticker off your chest and you can start writing on, the, on that, whatever it is. Uh, I really would encourage you with that this morning, um, because actually I, I wasn't planning on preaching on baptism for more than one week, but through those conversations, 
um, and those questions and those clarifications, I wanted to take another uh, opportunity to just answer some of those because I don't think they were those were the only people who had those kind of questions require, and required those kind of clarifications. So this morning, I'm, I'm not actually coming from a position of debate. I'm not here to try and say, you know, here's all the right answers, zing, 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 you know, uh, I, I, I win. That, that's, not, that's not the heart behind it at all. It's actually uh, coming from the position of the heart of the heart. It's the heart that matters more than the deed. I could talk people into getting baptized. I probably could. I could probably convince or coerce or whatever, but that's not what this is all about. That's never what it was all about. It was about the heart of where a person is at. And today we all have a heart and we all have a heart that God is interested in. But do we have hearts that are interested in him? That's what we want to look at. Uh, We're going to, you can, um, we can turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 15 because Jesus actually references this as he's speaking to, uh, to the Pharisees and to the crowds. Uh, he's talking. We, we, we looked a little bit at this last week where people had said, well, I just have my tradition. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, your tra- by your tradition, you actually cancel the word of God. You're choosing your tradition and actually make the word of God of no effect. But he goes on to say this about those people in verse 8. He says, Matthew 15, verse 8, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship's a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as if they're the commandments from God. They teach man-made ideas as if that's what you should be following as opposed to the heart of God and uh, the commands of God. But when I look at that, you know, that could sound a little bit condemning, but that's not the point. The point that Jesus reveals in this is that I'm after your heart. Like, you can do all of the things, but that doesn't matter if the heart's not right. And so today we would say the same thing. It doesn't matter if we do all the right things. Where are the hearts at in this room? Where are the hearts at? Where is each of us? And so as we look at his word, it reveals what's going on in the heart. And so we're going to look at that this morning. So keeping that in mind, that it's about the heart, I wanted to address some of the questions that that had been asked and some of the thoughts. So number one, the one was this. Is it a salvation issue? Is baptism in water as an adult, is that a salvation issue? Basically, if I don't do it, am I going to hell? (laughs) The answer is no. The short answer for that is no. And some of you are like, oh, phew. And here's how we know. Paul and the New Testament writers write this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. You can see it on the screen. It says this, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not based on what we do. That's that's not what what it's about. It's simply that by his grace, what he did on a cross for me, that's all. It's trusting in that alone that says that, that, that that's how we are saved. And so is it a salvation issue? Do you have to do anything else afterwards to be saved? No. He's like, it's by that grace. And some were asking, well, does baptism, does this wash away my sins? Like, is that what's happening there? Like, as Alicia went in, now all of our sins are gone, or Coco's sins are gone. And the answer to that is also no. People have this kind of this misunderstanding. I, I had, uh, you know, one, one person in one of the things that they had written had said, like, what if somebody says, you know, we, we, as the gospel is preached, like, I give my heart to Christ, and they're like, and I want to get baptized today. And they go to the bathroom to change their clothes, and while they're in the bathroom, they have a heart attack. Where did they go? Because they, they didn't get baptized. Their, their sins weren't washed away. And we're like, no, no. It has, it's the cross is where the sins were washed away. It wasn't here. I remember one young guy uh, back in the day, he was talking about he, when he had gotten baptized. And he said afterwards, he's like, yeah, they had to drain the tank after I was baptized because nobody wanted to be baptized in my sin water. And I was like, <laughs> who went first today? Good call. You know, <laughs> but, 
There's this, this understanding of thinking, well, is that, is that what's happening? And, and, and that's not, what, that's not what's, what's happening either. And so, you know, when people ask that question, so if it's not a salvation issue, then why do I need to do it? And that's a fair question. That is a fair question. If this is not a salvation issue, then why do I need to do it? Because that felt last week, some felt like, hey, if you don't do this, it's a big deal. So here's the thought, though. It is a fair question, but I would ask you to think about where that question is coming from. Where is that question coming from? If this isn't a salvation issue, then why, not, why do I need to do it? Let's ask a few other things. Is reading your Bible a salvation issue? Some are like, wait a second, what? I'm not sure. If, <laughs> if you don't read your Bible, will you still get into heaven? Yes. Reading your Bible or not reading it is not a salvation issue. And some of you are like, phew. <coughs> is prayer a salvation issue? If you don't pray, are you not making it in? No, it's not a salvation issue. Is serving in the church a salvation issue? No. Is giving a salvation issue? No. Is singing a salvation issue? No. So it's like this thought of like, well, I don't have to do any of those things. They're not salvation issues. And I'd encourage you to think about this for a second. Because what would you say if I just told you that recently I've become a vegan? A couple, uh, couple months ago, I joined a, a vegan club. Uh, I got the membership card. Uh, I actually hang out with other vegans now, and uh, it's, pretty, it's, pretty, it's pretty sad, but... Um, <laughs> you know, and I, 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 I kind of miss like, eating meat so much that last week, uh, last Sunday, I actually had bacon. And uh, the day after that, I had chicken. The day after that, I actually had butter on my toast. And uh, this, these are my plans right here. I'm planning to have a barbecue after church um, <laughs> when, when, I, when I get home. Why are you laughing at me? Because as you think about that, you would probably, if you had the chance, say, I, I'm not sure you're a vegan. Like, you might think you are, but, and I would say, well, yes, I am. And you're like, well, no, because you're not actually doing what a vegan does. A vegan doesn't, doesn't do that. And I'll just simply say this, I'm a non-practicing vegan. <laughs> and you laugh because you're like, that's not possible. You can't say I'm a vegan and be a non-practicing vegan. It's just not possible. And I would ask you the same question. So what about faith in Christ? What about saying I'm a Christian, but I'm not going to do any of the things that Christians do? I'm non-practicing. Is that possible? See, the thing I think we need to understand is that Christianity and following Christ is way more than just salvation. It, sal- salvation's the beginning point. It's way more than that. You know, James, the brother of Jesus, let's go there. My uh, brother-in-law preached on this last week in uh, Sweets Corners. If you have a chance to listen to the message, you can. Uh, just get past the creepy title. It's like this dead guy's feet. It's um, talking about faith being dead. But James, uh, as I listened to it, I was reminded of this. James chapter 2. You, you there? Man, you guys are quick. James chapter 2, verse 14. Uh, he says this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, but you say to them, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't actually give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Verse 17, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead and useless. 
And you think people would say, well, yeah, but didn't Paul just tell us that we don't need like to do anything? Like my faith is by faith alone that I'm saved. And here's James saying, can that faith uh, save you if it doesn't have any good works with it? Verse 18, now someone may argue, some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. Verse 19, you say you have faith. You say you're a Christian. You have faith for you believe that there's one God. Many would say that. Man, these next words sting. He's like, good for you. Even the demons believe that. They actually tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? You know, you see that and you're like, oh man. James, just to be fair, he's not actually talking about baptism. That, that's not his, it's not his point. And he's not actually talking about something that's condemning or whatever. He's simply saying this, that if you have a genuine faith, it results in action. You can't have a genuine faith that doesn't cause your life to be lived differently. Because you cannot have the Son of God come move into your life and to your heart, surrender to him, and he doesn't start cleaning house. It can't happen, is what James is saying. So this is this, this revealing thing for us. He says, hey, if there's real faith, it results in obedience. Jesus actually touched on this in John 14. You don't have to turn. You can look it up on the screen here. It says this, if you love me, Jesus said to his disciples, he says, you will obey my commandments. You can see on there in that translation, it says, if you love me, obey my commandments. But there's a little asterisk there that says, it's, it's if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And Jesus is not like a bad girlfriend who's like, oh, if you love me, you would do this for me, and you would do this for me, right? We dump people like that. They're needy. That's not Jesus. That's not what he's saying. Uh, some of you are like, oh, I, never mind. Um, <laughs> Jesus, that, that's not the point. He's actually making this statement. He says, you know what? If you love me, you'll, you'll actually keep my commandments, not by force, but because there's out of that love for him, it affects your life. Uh, the goal is that we would simply love him, pursue him. He says this at the end of this chunk. He says, those who accept my commandments and obey them, they're the ones who love me. It's just, that, that's, what, that's how it's revealed. He says, because they love me, my father loves them. I'll love them and reveal myself to each of them. The focus on this verse is that loving Jesus results in obedience to him. That, that's just how that works. And now, so we looked at Jesus' commands. It's like, well, obedience to commands. Okay, Jesus, what are the commands? Well, let me remind you of last week's command. Matthew 28, verse 18. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it because we did last week extensively. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So therefore... Go make disciples. This is what he says to his disciples. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The word names like in the authority. He says, then teach those new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you, including this one. And be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And then we looked at Acts chapter 2 saying, what did these disciples do? I told you it's going to be a lot of scripture. Acts chapter 2, we see what happens. Peter, in verse 38, Peter preaches and the people say, their hearts are convicted. Like, what do we do? How do we follow Christ? And he says this, each of you, because this is not a group thing. This is like an individual thing. This is something you do for you. It's not something family does for you. It's not something your church does for you. It's you, you. He goes right for the heart. He says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We said it last week, it was this. It was repent, 
believe, be baptized, receive. That was this, the, the, the command that he's given. And so we look at that and we think, well, it's not a salvation issue. And here's the point. Baptism doesn't make you a Christian. It's simply what Christians do. Baptism doesn't make you a Christian. It's simply what Christians do. See, because the thought is that if baptism made you a Christian, that's why people are like, we've got to baptize our babies because we've got to make sure they're Christians. Or there's others who are like, oh, you know, uh, if, I, if I'm not baptized, then I'm, then I'm not a Christian. I better get, get in the water. But that's not, that's not what makes you a Christian. But it is a person whose life has been transformed on the inside, who's been immersed in Christ. It is what they do. So here's the thought. It's not necessary, but it's not optional. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, I thought it was good. It's, it's not necessary, but it's not optional. It's just like any of the commands. And you're like, yeah, well, give me some scripture for that. Good. I'm glad you asked. Would you, on your, on your notes, just write Acts, okay? Just write Acts, because what's going to happen next is going to be a flurry. Zane, we ready? Double barrels ready to go? You're just going to write numbers after that, a, a whole lot of them. Uh, and so you've been warned. Here we go. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. This is in Jerusalem. Those who believed what Peter had said, which was the sermon we just talked about, they were baptized and added to church that day, 3,000 of them in all. What do we see? People believed and they were baptized. Acts 8, we carry on in Samaria. Now the people believed Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God. What they believed, they believed in, in, in the name of Jesus Christ. And as, as a result, many men and women were baptized. Acts chapter 8, carry on a little further. Verse 38, here's a story we told last week. The man on the road to Gaza, his, Philip hears him uh, reading scripture, hops in the chariot, tells him about Jesus. And he's like, whoa, there's water. Uh, what's hindering me from being baptized? And we see that nothing. Acts eight thirty-eight. they order the carriage to stop. They go down into the water. And Philip baptizes him. Keep going. Acts chapter 10. Peter goes to visit Cornelius in Caesarea. And Peter, uh, as he's preaching, the Holy Spirit comes on them. And they're like, these guys just got immersed in Holy Spirit. They got immersed in, in the name of Jesus. And so Peter asks in verse 47, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Carry on. Acts 16. We see Lydia in Philippi. Here's one a place where Paul goes and he sees one of the people he's speaking to was Lydia from Thyatira. She was a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart. She accepted what Paul was saying, which was the gospel. And then she and her household were baptized and asked to be her guests. She said this, if you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. Keep going. Paul actually ends up in prison for preaching the gospel. Acts 16 verse 30, as they're sitting in prison, uh, the, the Spirit of the Lord comes and shakes the prison gates open as they choose to worship. And, and as Paul and Silas are sitting there, the jailer who knows that if his prisoners get away, he has to pay with his life, is about to put a sword through his heart, realizing all hope is gone. And he hears from the prison cell, Paul and Silas shouting, hey, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. Don't kill yourself. We're still here. And he's like, what kind of prisoners don't flee when they have the chance? fellas, tell me why you're still here. And they're like, we're here because you need to know Jesus. And they preach to them. It says this in verse 30. It says, then the jailer brought them out and said, sirs, what do I have to do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And it says, uh, it says, and they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in the household. 
Remember that. The word of the Lord was shared with all of them. Then even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. And then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. This is one of the verses that they use to say, well, there must have been infants. And so they baptized the infants. But if you go back a verse, it says, they heard the word of the Lord. So the ones who heard the word were baptized immediately. Verse, uh, Acts chapter 18 carries on. Verse 8, Crispus and many others in Corinth. Crispus was the leader of the synagogue. I was so hoping that the Stones were going to name their child Crispus. I mean, that is a cool name that needs to be brought back. Somebody do it. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul what they became believers, and they were baptized. Are, are you getting it yet? Acts 18, not yet, I guess. Verse 24, here's Apollos in a place called Ephesus, and it says this. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, he's an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well. He arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit. I kind of like this guy. Uh, and, and with accuracy, however, and I wasn't going to put this in there, but I think this is so important. He says, however, he only knew about John's baptism. He only knew about John's baptism and says when Priscilla and Aquila, who are other believers, heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and they explained the way of God more accurately to him. That's what happens. Like, oh, well, we only knew about, you know, infant baptism or we only knew about whatever other things were. He says, let me explain a little clearer. Now we see Paul arrives in Ephesus in the next chapter, Acts 19, verse 4. He actually arrives and he says to them, hey, have you guys heard about Jesus? And, and have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And they're like, no, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. He's like, what baptism were you baptized with? I'm like, we were baptized in John's baptism. He's like, Apollos, okay, let me explain it to you more accurately. And he says this, verse 4, Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So... You hear over and over and over and over that when a person decides, I'm going to be a follower of Christ, I'm going to become a Christian, what is the next thing they do? Not a trick question. (laughs) Did baptism make them a Christian? No. But it is what Christians do. You know, and as I chatted with some people about this this week, they said, yeah, but I think my infant baptism or my confirmation or my profession of faith, I think it's kind of the same thing. Can't I just replace baptism with that? Can't I just replace this with one of those things? And my, my thought for you is this. This is not a Tim Hortons combo. I think maybe because we were sitting in Tim Hortons when I uh, was asked this question. It's not a Tim Hortons combo. And we say, well, what, do you, what do you mean? You know, the other day I went to Tim Hortons. I was dri- in the drive-thru. I was ordering lunch. And they said, would you like potato wedges with that? I'm like, ew, no. Like, those things are disgusting. Uh, I didn't say that to them. It's just in my mind. Sometimes that line does kick in and I don't say everything I think. But I was like, no, can I exchange that for a blueberry muffin? And guess what they said? Yes, sir, no problem at all. I was like, thank you. But what I realized is we are used to being able to exchange things all over the place. You buy something, didn't like it, go back, you exchange it. We exchange, we exchange, we exchange. And so when we think about this, well, can't I just exchange this for something else in my life? Here's the thought. Why does that matter? It matters for this reason. What else will our hearts try and exchange? As we live this life with Christ, think about it. Can I just listen to sermons in exchange for reading this myself? Can't I just exchange listening to some Christian music or listening to the band play instead of singing myself? Can I just exchange, you know, having the radio playing instead of worshiping him myself? Can I just exchange by doing some extra giving so that I don't have to do some extra forgiving? Can I just exchange some compromise in this area so that I can avoid some discomfort? 
Man, don't our hearts do that? My heart does. My heart does. And so why is this thought, this thing of like, he wants our hearts. That, that's why this is the bigger deal than anything. Because the other thing is, this thing and those things, they're not the same thing. This thing and those things are not the same thing. It'd be like me going to Augusta, to the, you know, the Masters Golf Tournament, and going in and saying, hey, here's my Sandusk uh, golf membership. Can you let me in? What are they going to say? No way. No way. Why? Because it doesn't, it's not the same thing. And when I think about the commands of Jesus, and I've shared this before, but when Jesus' command was believe and be baptized, uh, the command, you, you can't just exchange it. Like, it'd be like with me and my kids. I say to my kids, hey, clean your room. And they're like, we did the dishes. <laughs> I was like, okay, but that's not what I commanded. I, I appreciate that, but it's not what I commanded. And if I say, hey, do the dishes, and like, we put them in the sink. I'm like, well, that's close, but is it what I commanded? No. And so the thought is this. If he said, believe and be baptized, and you say, well, I did this instead... Is it what he commanded? I know, it just got real quiet. It's good. You know, the conversations I had this week, I have to be honest, were with really sincere people who really love the Lord. I have no doubt of that. I think that's why they want to have these conversations is because they do sincerely love him. I have no doubt of that. And so my question for you is, you're like, yeah, but I sincerely love the Lord. My question then is this. If we love the Lord, where's that resistance to this coming from? Why, why is it there? Have you asked you that? Because the thought, we don't put it in words, would be this, though. How far away can I stay and still be okay? How far away can I stay and still be okay? Want to say it with me? It's kind of fun. <laughs> How far away can I stay and still be Okay. Man, is that what the heart of the gospel is? That we would just try and stay as far away from what Jesus wants us to do? Is that the heart that we really want in and of ourselves? I I don't think so. So why wouldn't we do something that's so clear in Scripture? The other things were like, well, maybe they're in there, maybe. But this one's so clear. Why wouldn't we do it? For some, here's the reason. And we're we're wrapping up. The concern, some of you are like, for some... The concern was that this somehow would cheapen or nullify what you've already done in the past. It's like, man, you don't understand. My, my profession of faith, it meant something to me. Like my confirmation, I know my buddies, they just did stuff and then they didn't live their lives. But it meant something to me. And I think that if I do something like this, it will nullify that or like somehow cheapen that. And I love that that's your thought. Because that reveals a heart that's actually for him. But let me ask it in this way. If we had, you know, when people fall in love with each other uh, and it's going to go somewhere, there's a process of rings that happen. You know, three, three rings, sometimes two, but sometimes three. The promise ring, the engagement ring, the wedding ring. Is each of them meaningful? Some people be like, <laughs> someone's shaking their head. No way, you're not convincing me of nothing. Think about that. You know, you find this girl that you fall in love with, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to give give her a promise ring, and then she takes the promise ring. Was that was that moment meaningful? I would say for sure it is. But then, you know, as a little later on, it's like, yeah, you know what? We're we're really doing this. And you give her an engagement ring, and she takes the engagement ring. What does she do with the promise ring? Throw it in the trash? If she does. Run, boys. That's a sign. It will not go well for you. But what happens after the engagement ring? You know, then the next one is the wedding ring. 
And when, when that one, do they just chuck the engagement ring? No, they just put both of them on. Why? Because it was meaningful. Now think about this. When your parents, you know, baptized you as an infant for some of those, it's like the promise ring. Was it meaningful? Yes, it was. For sure it was. When you made your profession of faith, it's like that, it's like that engagement ring. Is it meaningful? Of course it is. Yes, it's meaningful. But the wedding ring, it's that sort of thing, like Coco said today, I'm giving my life to live with him for the rest of my days. I love him and I'm committing myself to live uh, for him for the rest of my days. You know, that's, that's kind of what marriage is like, isn't it? It's like, it's not the day you fell in love. That, that, that better not be. Right? You get, on, get up in front of people on an altar. What are you saying? It's like, hey, I just want to let everybody else know that it's her and me for the rest of our lives. Him and I for the rest of our lives. That, that's what that's all about. And what a beautiful picture that is. Let me leave you with this thought. As I was preparing for this message, uh, I happened to look over and I saw this piece of art in our home. Uh, it's right there. And uh, maybe as you're looking at it, you're like, well, what's the art? It's the, it's the tree there beside the plant. Um, <laughs> And so, some of you might look at it and go, hmm, that's a nice piece of amateur art. It's not that big of a deal. And uh, some would agree. But as I talked to Beth, because it was her that made this, she was like, oh, no, please don't use that. You know, like, Catherine makes much better art. There's other people who have made, get Charissa's. I saw it. It was phenomenal. Get that piece of art and show that to the church. And I'm like, no, but this one is the beautiful picture. And, and here's why. You're like, oh, so sweet. He just loves his wife's art. No. No, no, no. Can, can we go widescreen for this? Because I, I need to explain this a little bit. So, so the, she made an evergreen tree. And for those of you who come by our house, we affectionately refer to our property as Evergreen Lane. I planted 400 of them, and then there was others as well, thanks to my father-in-law. We love the evergreens on our property. But she said, but do you notice that I also planted this evergreen in mulch? And if you know me, mulch is my love language. If you drive by my house, I have piles of it everywhere. Uh, and so you're like, well, that's dumb. But to me, it matters. And she's got mulch on the, on the bottom. And then she's like, got the trees and, and these little blobs that my daughter called blobs. These are actually birds. Um, and so one bird represents uh, her and one represents me. And there are birth year, our birth stones. And then every branch represents a year because four years later, we welcomed my beautiful daughter, Reese, into our family. Two years later, man, our young man, Link, arrived in our family and I'm super proud of him. Two years later, little Maddox, Man, inquisitive, amazing, young Maddox joins our family. And one year later, there's our grand finale, Finn. And here's this picture of our tree. But guess what? This whole thing's made out of broken glass. Broken glass. And, I mean, when I look at my family, I know we're a bunch of broken bits sometimes. But then as I see it up in the window, as the sun shines through, man, it's a gorgeous thing. And I look at my life, and I look at my family, and I look at all the good things that have happened in our lives, and you know what I can't help but see? The sun. That the sun, as, 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 the, as what he did in our lives with these broken bits, that not, you understand what I'm saying, the son of God, as he shines through our lives, he makes broken things beautiful. That's why that picture matters to me. Some of you are like, oh, I shouldn't have laughed earlier. <laughs> That's why It's beautiful. Can I say this as we close? This is a beautiful picture as well. It is. Because nothing says the same thing as this. That where God saw broken bits, broken people, and he came and he allowed his body to be broken on a cross in our place. 
that he took my sin, my shame, my guilt. He took it on that cross. And then he was buried, is what the gospel says. That he laid in a grave with my shame, my sin, my guilt, all the brokenness. He laid there for three days. And then he left it there when he rose from the dead, conquered all of that in my place. Rose from the dead and said, Mark, I'm taking you with me. You were once dead in your sin, but now you're alive in me. And I have a new life for you to live. And that's what this thing becomes a beautiful picture. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 3. He says, the water is a picture of a baptism which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It's effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It has done something in us. And that's why we go through the waters of baptism. 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ is a new creature, a new creation, a new person. That old life is gone it's gone and a new life has begun and he shines man he shines through our broken bits i know that in my past there was brokenness but man as i've surrendered that to him he shone through helping other people see the the beauty in in what he's done through the broken we see paul saying in second corinthians 4 7 we got this light shining in our hearts we ourselves were like fragile clay jars it's not about us but we contain a great treasure this makes it clear that our great power is from god not from ourselves. and you know what nothing else resembles that picture except for this that's why we can't exchange it for anything else nothing else shows the thought of man i was broken I died with Christ. I rose with Christ. I've been transformed. You saw them. They go down dry. They come up wet. Something happens. And that's what he says is what happened with us. Man, that is the goodness of the gospel. Oh, I thought somebody would cheer for that. I will. It is. It is. It's true. And here's the final question. People have asked, Mark, why do you care so much? Why do you care if I'm not baptized or not? And here's why. Because I want to contend for the faith. I want to contend for truth. I want to contend for making disciples and not filling a church with people who just said, oh, I sat there, I ate, I left. But that lives were truly changed. That is why I care so much. I don't care that I'm trying to persuade people to get baptized. If, that, if that's the case, we all lose. But as our mission says, I want to persuade people to pursue Christ each and every day. And as you pursue him, it can't help but shine through your life. And it can't help but lead you to obedience in every one of those areas, including this one. And that we would never be complacent. Never be complacent. Because you know what? We can never rest. Here's, you know, the other day I was sitting in my house and uh, the, it was cold outside, but the sun was shining in. I was sitting in that place on my couch. I was like, oh, I just like the cat. You know, I just love the sun. It's the only, the only ever cat thing I'll compare myself to. I was like, no, this, is, this is great. And as I sat there for a while, I was reading, and all of a sudden I was like, I noticed, I'm like, the sun's gone. It had just moved a couple pillows down. So guess what I did? I moved a couple pillows down. I got back in the sun. And the Lord showed me, he's like, Mark, when you feel that emptiness on the inside, I'm allowing that. When you feel like as you're pursuing me, it's like, oh, some days you're like, oh, you know, I feel a little empty. He's like, I'm allowing that because I want you to pursue me. Come find me where I am today because it's in that pursuit of him that we never become stagnant and stale because our lives were not meant to just be saved. They were meant to be lived, not just saved, but lived. So my prayer is that we will be a people who are all in following him, that no matter what it is, if it's this, if it's worship, if it's giving, if it's serving, if it's witnessing, if it's sharing our story, Jesus, whatever you say, my answer is yes, I'm all in. And for those who don't know Christ today, my prayer is that our testimony of our lives would shine to you and show you the goodness of God. 
because he is good. He's no respecter of persons. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord today will be saved. That's what he says. No one's too broken that he can't fix. No one's too lost that he can't rescue. But he's calling you. If you say, man, yes, Jesus, I want you. Let me say this one last thing. He's calling you to repentance, to surrender your life to him, to receive everything he's had, but it requires everything of you. I don't want us to think that it just requires, oh, I can just, okay, yeah, I'll, 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 do, I'll do that, and then I can just sit in church on Sundays. He wants it all. Here's how I know Matthew 16, our last verse today. It says this, Jesus said, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. 10 out of 10 people die. We know that. You cannot, it doesn't matter what you try to do, you can't save your life. But he says, but whoever loses his life for me, whoever lays it down voluntarily, whoever exchanges, he says, will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he does gain the whole world but loses his own soul? What will he give in exchange for his soul? And Jesus' question is simply this. How much could you attain in life that when at the end it says, well, this costs you your soul? What would you give to get that back? And the answer is, I'll give it all. Every one of us would give everything to get our soul back. And you have the opportunity for that today. The great exchange today is to simply say, Jesus, I want all of you and you can have all of me. Lord, may my love for you cause me to obey you in every single area of my life. Jesus, thank you for loving me like that. It is the great exchange. And I'll leave with the thought of Jim Elliott. He said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Man, we have a good God. What he has done for us, ah, it's incredible. It is incredible, and that is the goodness of the gospel. And I pray that those things settle, not just in your mind this week, but in your heart. This is what he wants from each and every single one of us. He wants us. He wants us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the gift of today chance to live it for you and with you. Thanks for the chance to be together to celebrate your name, to celebrate your goodness in the lives of those who've been baptized. Lord, thank you. Jesus, we think about the cross and what you did for us. Thank you. Thank you for this picture of what you've done for rescuing us, for fully cleansing us, for giving us hope, a new life. Most of all, Jesus, thank you for you your presence in our lives today. Oh, there is a fullness of joy in you. God, as we leave this place, may we be continuously reminded of your presence with us. May we take time in the rest of this day to just enjoy you. Lord, may our lives be affected as a result, but may those around us see your goodness. May they come to you to know you, to put their trust in you, and may they experience eternal life with you, I pray. Above all, Jesus, may you be glorified in everything that happens in the rest of our lives, in the rest of this day. I ask this in your powerful name. Amen. 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 Perfect timing. All right. So we've got a few, um, we have a few uh, questions on the screen for you to consider. Think about if you're interested in more information of being baptized, shoot me a text, shoot me an email. Even if it's just a chat, I will pay for coffee. And uh, let's, let's help each other spur one another on to follow Christ. Have a fantastic day.